This is Driven by Data, the podcast. Welcome back to another season of Driven by Data, the podcast, powered by Orbition Group and hosted by me, Kyle Winterbottom. So here we are, season three of Driven by Data, the podcast. I'm delighted that you've decided to tune in and rejoin us. We've got some absolutely fantastic content coming your way. So all that's left to say is sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. In order for your organization to make the best possible business decisions and to make the most of your data, you need the very best people. And that's where Orbition Group comes in. We have a proven track record in partnering with some of the largest brands in the world to the most innovative and disruptive startups and everything in between. We go beyond traditional recruitment services. The organizations which we partner with benefit from the added extras that we offer, such as raising your organization's brand awareness to the data and analytics community, providing you with insights into the current market and your competition, benchmarking you against the industry to give you the best chance to successfully attract the best talent. We want to become an extension of your business to identify, engage, attract and retain the best talent possible. If this sounds of interest, please reach out today by visiting orbitiongroup.com. Welcome to Driven by Data, the podcast season three. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Scott Herleman, who is the founder and CEO of Data Mesh Understanding and also the host of the Data Mesh Radio podcast. So Scott, thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. Very excited to be here. Good, good, good. No, pleasure is pleasure is all ours. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, It's been a probably a long time coming feels like we've been speaking on and off for a good few years now so um about time we made it happen um but scott for any of our guests that don't know who you are just give us a brief introduction into your background and i guess journey today up until this point in time uh, if you would yeah i've got a very strange journey that kind of comes up to to where i am so um you know, was kind of obsessed with stocks when I was in uh, high school, like was that kid that was watching CNBC after school. So went to school, did uh, finance. And um, and so I majored in that and, and Chinese as well. And then went into equity research. So covering stocks and things like that. And what I found that I really, really loved was just going out there and finding information, talking to people, right? Finding information, summing it up, sharing it with others, like what information did other people want to find? So went in, did venture capital for a while. Um, Then we, in one of the companies we invested in, I was like, okay, this company looks like it's really going for the moon. So went over there, you know, basically said, please, please, please hire me. Let's figure out what I can do. They had me do sales, uh, sales operations, sales enablement and financial planning and analysis. My role just kept growing and growing and growing. Um, then they kind of had a big shape up internally around their finance department. So moved into community management, which is kind of where I start all of my community stuff, um, spun out to do this thing. And it was based on something that LinkedIn was doing and LinkedIn shut it off the day before we were supposed to start. So that was a fun few months, uh, did sales marketing consulting, then, uh, did tech recruiting for about seven, eight months, and then, um, did some business process stuff 
cloud cost management, you know, AWS cost management for about a year and a half, then back to business process stuff, then back to to data stacks and did some community consulting there. And then in um, January, February of, of 2021 is when I started doing the data mesh stuff. And I was supposed to just jump into helping the data mesh community get started. You know, I was talking to Jamak, who's the, the creator and founder of the, uh, or of the concept of data mesh. And so um, I uh, was supposed to help them for two weeks and we grew the community from zero people to 500 in four days and zero to a thousand in, in like 14. So they just said, keep growing this, keep going after it. Um, and so I've just been trying to help people doing data mesh ever since I've, a lot of people confuse me for an evangelist, but I'm really more of an advocate for people that are trying to do this, right? That data mesh is really hard. It's really confusing. It's it, it, You're completely changing pretty much every aspect of how you do data and analytics, and we still don't know how to do it perfectly. So that's kind of the background. That's why I started Data Mesh Radio because all the content still in, in December of 2021 was still, what is Data Mesh? There was 800 what is Data Mesh articles you know, every month. And there was seven articles for people actually implementing and saying, here is something I found that's useful. So um, I've been trying to share information about that. I'm at like 250 episodes because I'm just, I do too much. Um, but I'm just here to help people, right? Like my my title is, you know, CEO of my own company, but it's also Chief uh, Data Mesh Assistance Officer. I'm here to help people. So I'm here to, to, to answer a lot of your questions today about data mesh, where we are and all of that. How does that play into Gen AI? But my my journey has been all about finding that I really just love going out and finding information and then like, you know, understanding it and sharing that with other people. So that's that's kind of me in a nutshell. Nice. Yeah. Well, so a very unique journey, but I guess one, you know, that's come through a traditional business lens, you know, spanning across, you know, different functions in, in different businesses, which, um, you know, always interests me because I think that you find people that have come, have had that varied experience tend to be able to kind of get to the crux of, the why, right? Why are we doing this? Why is it important? What do we get out of it, etc. So, um, this is just more out of curiosity, Scott, than anything else. But what was it about the data mesh thing that grabbed your attention? Because obviously, you've grown into this prominent figure within that world now, right? You're, you're hosting the podcast, you're, you're you're running communities, um, part of this, you know, the Slack channel and all of that type of stuff. You've now got your own company doing this stuff. It must have been something specific about that that kind of you know, you, you believed in, I guess, what, what, you know, what was the, what was the driving force behind you jumping feet first? Well, originally um, I saw some things about data mesh on Twitter and I asked somebody internally, somebody was asking for information. I said, do we have any information on data mesh? And they said, go learn. Oh yeah. They misinterpreted the message. Go learn everything you can about data mesh. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm AUDHD, you know, ASD and uh, ADHD. So when you say go learn everything, I literally collected every single one of the articles that had been published, which was about 80 at that time. And then it exploded in kind of March of, of 2021. But um, so for me, data mesh is very, very high empathy. And it's about taking what we've learned in all sorts of other practices and applying it to data. And what I hadn't realized on the data and analytics side, because, you know, I've traditionally focused more on the database side, but the data and analytics side just 
hadn't really matured much in the last 20, 30 years. Like what were we learning in software and how are we not applying DevOps principles to data? How are we not doing reliability engineering stuff for data? How was this still in, in this weird backward state? How are we trying to do tools first instead of principles and practices? And like, again, like you said, what are you actually trying to accomplish, right? Like, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to buy this tool? What is it supposed to accomplish instead of it would be good to have this tool because then we could do all these things. But why do we want to do those things? What What is it going to accomplish if we can do that? And that's where I think Jamak just really nailed it about high empathy, but also like, hey, we've learned how to not have these problems anymore in other spaces. So can we please do that here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Fine. Um, so I guess that there, there hopefully, hopefully shouldn't be many people listening to this podcast that don't understand the the, the concepts and our methodology of, of data mesh. But just in case, um, give us just your high level overview of you know what what data mesh is for anyone that isn't wholly familiar. And I think people get really wrapped up around the axle on this because they start trying to talk about the implementation versus the what are you trying to achieve. What are you trying to achieve is right now we aren't able to be agile and flexible and, you know, agile with a small A, not the big A agile, but um, and nimble and things like that with data. The way that we've done data has not been reusable. It's been what are we trying to do with this one thing? Let's let's put together this one project instead of thinking about things in this productized way. So then your information creation process is productized and it's owned by the right people, right? The people who actually understand it instead of having these central teams that own all of the, the data itself when they don't really understand it because they don't have the business context, right? They they can't understand it because you can't dig that far deep into stuff. And it it just creates all of these uh, rigidities and, and makes it so that you're not scalable instead of being able to go after it. Now, there's all sorts of ways that we could talk about the implementation, but I don't think that's that. I mean, that is interesting to data people, but there's 8 million things out there now about how you implement it. But the whole point of data mesh is like Jamak was just on a, a panel yesterday that I was on as well. And she said, my, like, I'm kind of tired about talking about data mesh in a way because these should just be sets of practices that we learn and they fade into the background. This shouldn't be something that's so hard. Like, let's, let's just figure out how we do this. And then it's just simple sets of practices. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I've, I've made the, uh, I guess the, analogy around the you know the old high school sex joke many a time right when this first came out you know everyone everyone and i guess it's it's almost the same with every hype cycle right but you know everyone's talking about it there's actually very very few that are in the weeds of trying to do it and the ones that are certainly aren't very good at it right at that moment in time right but you know so you jumped into this stuff 2020 2021 where is this space at now like where you know just bring us up to speed on where we're at in regards to to data mesh in terms of the actual viability of it in terms of organizations that are doing it what you're seeing in terms of you know is it working is it not are there many businesses gone and you know actually done it and achieved something from it etc so i would say that have done it uh, essentially maybe two or three that are doing it 
500, 1,000, you know, 2,000, it's it's tough to say because not everybody's talking about it. A lot of things that have happened historically in data is you don't talk about it until you've done it. And data mesh, for most organizations, is going to be a five to seven year journey. It's like what happened with microservices on the software side. It took, you know, I mean, pretty much, so it came out in 2012 and people really only started to really figure it out in 2020, 2021, like how to really do it well um, or, or how, you know, the broader scope of people figured out how to do that. We're four years in and there weren't already practices that were doing this. Max article kind of came out of the blue. So there are only like 10 companies that have been doing this for four years and they're still three, four years from the end of their journey in most cases. Well, and the, the, you don't have an end of your journey because it's just like you are now flexible and agile and able to, to do this stuff. So we're still trying to figure out a lot of things, right? People bring up like data modeling and it's like, we need to invent new ways of doing data modeling. It's not good enough what we've got right now. We can leverage what has been created, but it's not good enough as to where we actually want to go. So I think we'll still be learning new practices 10 years from now, but we're going to stop talking about data mesh in about four years, which is really funny because I've got a podcast and a company named after data mesh. But my goal originally in, in founding a community around this podcast, a company was that we could stop talking about this because it was it was easy and that we figured out how to do this. And every year, you know, the first year I was like, I think we're going to get there in about 18 months. And then, you know, at the, the start of the second year, I was like, I think we're going to get there in about 36 months. And then at the start <laughs> of the third year, it's like, I think we're going to get there in about 48 months. So at least the second derivative is going down, you know, instead of 18 months each time, it's now 12 months more, but we're, we're figuring out a lot of things, but if you're not ready, it's still, it's not super, super bleeding edge. It's still, but it's still bleeding edge. And if you're not prepared to get cut, don't do it. And it's fine to not do it. It's totally okay for companies to say, we're not ready for this because we have to have a lot of things in place. But where it is from the companies that are in pretty advanced stages, they're really starting to see a heck of a lot of value because what used to take three to six months every single time now takes, you know, three weeks at the longest. People have talked about creating new data products and getting them in the hands of a consumer, maybe not fully baked, but in minutes, maybe hours. If they're, if they're pretty simplified, if you've got a good platform, somebody can say, okay, yeah, we want this. Oh, okay. We've got this. I'm going to pull this. I'm going to pull this. And you just create those Lego blocks and you put it in front of somebody instead of having to go and like, carve the wood, right? You've got building blocks that you put together that are already there instead of like, okay, you want a, a figure of, you know, Hogwarts castle. Maybe that's a little too complex because it's going to be a giant, giant Lego set, but you know, whatever versus somebody again, like having to carve something individually, that's where we're trying to head. And so we're seeing people do that, but we're not seeing the value that we want to yet about the interconnectivity between the greater space of the company, like the information landscape of the companies. You know, there's a reason these companies have bought the companies they have or have the product lines that they have, that they have intersection. And there are very few that are able to actually leverage all of that greater information landscape instead of just be better in their own lines of business. 
we're still we're seeing people able to answer questions, but we're not seeing them able to, in most cases, generate significantly increased value from being able to share all this data where, you know, one plus one plus one plus one equals 10, not equals five. And we're at that, you know, four ones equals five, not four ones equals 10. And that's, that's the concept. That's where we hope we can get, but some, maybe these practices don't exist. Maybe we can't do this. And that's where I'm really excited to help people figure that out, right? Mm. Is this the thing that could change the way we do stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So I guess just to try and summarize and make sure I'm clear on what you're saying there, there's obviously data mesh is more principles, right? It's more of principles in a way of doing things than it is a, a tool or a technology or whatever. Right. And I think there's at the start, there was certainly a lot of confusion around that. Like, right. What, what is this data mesh? Where do I buy that? Right. <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh dear, this is going <laughs> to, this is going to take a while. Um, so from there, then the the business. What you're saying is the businesses that have done it are seeing value in that. I guess the agility, the speed that they can make decisions, the, the way that they can, you know, the nimbleness, if you want to call it that, around how they can operate, um, is is of tremendous value and use. But that seems to be geared towards. It's quite siloed in in its use at the moment. And the the next big thing is how do we how do we scale that across an entire organization and connect connect all the dots, basically. Am I right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And right now what's happening is we have to do those interconnections kind of manually. And so if you're not doing, if you're doing them where you're like, we want this, yeah, it's kind of the gen AI stuff. We want these interconnections to be discovered. We want these interconnections to be something that somebody may not have thought about. And I started to talk about kind of library sciences and maybe you have data Sherpas that are like, Hey, what are you trying to accomplish? Let's talk about what like, where would be the trails that you might go? What are the information landscape that we know about that we might be able to connect these things? And But we still also lack the standards to be able to have this interconnectivity, especially across companies. You know, somebody might be able to say, here is how we store event data inside, internally. But when you go to share that externally, you go to combine data because that's where you really have a ton of value. Mm. Like, we're just not seeing that. So that there's still a ton of promise, but I, I didn't think we'd deliver on this promise just yet. I don't think Jamak did either. But that's the thing where people are like, has data mesh failed? And it's like, no, we just haven't. We don't have enough people that are those two, three, four years in that, you know, there are 10 companies that are four years in, there's there's 25 that are three years in, you know, there's a thousand that are one or or one and a half years in, but you know, you're 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 crawling still. You're not at that running phase. And we need people that are running and tripping on the obstacles and then sharing how did they avoid that obstacle, but we're not there yet. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's like practically any anything that comes along that is new right you know it'll take it'll take an organization to get to that point and fail a gazillion times before they get there to actually get there and then they go right okay here's what you don't do here's what you do do and then everyone that follows that time scale becomes massively reduced right because you know there's been the, the path has been trodden before them to you know share that that knowledge which is which is interesting um are there any organizations, and, and I know you mentioned, and I think I know there's a there's a few key ones um, out there, you know, that have been all over the 
the the news and stuff where these articles come from about the the businesses that are further along in this journey shall we say are there any that you would shout out as organizations that if people are interested in learning more that you know there might be a good use case to you know learn about so um i think the the three that i say are kind of the most most advanced um would be roche and then jp morgan chase and then a company that maybe Europeans have heard of, eDreams Odigio, which is a travel company. Um, it's really funny that the guy who who um, was leading their journey came out and did a presentation at a conference. And I contacted him. I was like, "Oh, I loved your presentation. I thought it was so good. Can I can I connect you to the rest of the community and all this stuff?" And he was like, "I looked for a community for a year and a half." No, I couldn't talk. I couldn't find a single person doing this. And then all of a sudden I find out there's this community of like 7,000 people. <laughs> what? So, um, but there, there, one thing I've started to talk about a little bit is, is even, um, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out the phrasing for it because I kind of hate the name that I've come up with it. It was either Data Mesh Island or, or Meshtopia. And I think Meshtopia is probably what I'm going to go with because it, it leads to a better analogy. But if you think about like these fantasy books and there's like a land that is this, right? But that land may be, you know, have a bunch of different topographies. So there may be lakes and there may be rivers and there may be mountains and there's a plain and there's maybe, you know, beaches and all sorts of fun stuff. So Meshtopia is where all these people want to get to, right? That's where when Data Mesh is really working for you most. but everybody's journey looks so different because, you know, this team, this company was way in the north. So they had to cross, you know, the, the, you know, Kraken filled seas and they had to navigate <laughs> all this. Th and this one was way in the west. And so they, um, they had to, to cross mountains and ford these, these, you know, huge rivers and blah, blah, blah. That, Every journey, you you kind of have to find companies that if you want to if you want to look at these practices, you have to find companies that look close to where your starting point was, and that's where I think the community and, and hopefully the podcast have helped people. You know, I've interviewed something like seventy five different people that are um, actually implementing at their own company or, or have in the past, and then I've interviewed another like. 50 or so consultants that are specifically working on implementations with clients. So there's 120 episodes, you know, like I said, 250, because I'm just, uh, I, I I do too much on that stuff. But uh, I, again, wanted to have this huge thing of content for people who are like, I'm really interested in XYZ topic. So I'm going to listen to the 10 episodes and I have to listen to Scott for like a full day straight. Like this is going <laughs> to drive me nuts. But, um, but that, the journeys look so different. I had a, a panel with three different people that had been involved heavily in seven different journeys. And all seven of the journeys looked completely different to each other. And that's the thing that's been frustrating people. And I think one thing you said earlier of like, what is data mesh? Can I buy it? Historically, the way people have learned about data stuff is so strange to me because it's all been vendor driven. Like very rarely is it not vendor driven or is it not like, hiddenly vendor driven where the industry analysts are paid by vendors and you know that's probably where I'll start to make more more of more and more of my money instead of clients but um that the like the vendor driven side of learning all of your aspects from vendors of course they're going to tell you that here's how you solve it by buying us instead of 
you're going to go and have to experiment and you're going to have to spend way more time on your people and understanding how to change your organization. Like Benny Benford um, was doing uh, data mesh at JLR. He was a recent guest of yours. And I loved everything he was saying because it's so much about like, hey, this takes time. This takes patience. This takes organizational change. If you want to buy the cool tool, maybe that helps, maybe that doesn't. But it's so much more about like, I, I started to say, stop giving your people like the the sausage factory tour, like stop giving your business people that because everybody in data is so used to focusing on the tool solving things. And that just hasn't worked that well. It's not working at scale. So why don't we learn from every other place where, which is scale, they learned that you can't just rely on the tools and you can't, the, the information is often a poisoned well, or it's maybe if it's not poisoned, it's like lightly poisoned. I don't know. Like maybe it's a seasoned well, but it's seasoned really poorly with something that's going to upset your stomach or something. I don't know. I that terrible analogy, but I'm trying to figure that out. But that's where I think the industry really, really needs to change is like, what are you learning from? Are you, are you getting free information from somebody? And you know, if it's that whole thing of like Facebook or whatever, if you're not paying, you're the product. And that's kind of the way a lot of the information is from a lot of companies. Like they're trying to tell you how to do something, but they're trying to tell you how to do it with their tool instead of how to accomplish what you're trying to do. Sorry, mm-hmm. I went, went way too uh, <laughs> on, on one of my rants there, but no, yeah. No. No, that's fine. All, all, um, all very insightful stuff. I mean, yeah, obviously, um, JLR here in the UK have been a, a, a pretty good case study of what you can achieve when you put the kind of whole people and change component first, right? They invested quite heavily in, you know, they were one of the first movers in that data enablement space or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, spun up pure, you know, comms teams just that sat within data right so for, for that purpose which is is interesting so I, I guess one one of the things i was going to ask you then was about you know what does what does good look like like what you know what have you seen working in regards to the implementation of data mesh but it seems like from what you're saying it's very contextual to the organization that you're citing the starting point you know the the type of business that you're in the regulation i'm sure plays a part and all of that type of, uh, of good stuff is that is that fair what 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 drives business value, right? Like I, I even asked this about a use case where you go, how much, like when, when people are like, what's our ROI on data work? And it's like, okay, how much is $100 million of revenue worth for you? Well, how much is it if it's in a space that you is not at all related to what you're doing and at bad margin and it's a distraction? It's negative value for most companies, right? Versus it's at good margin in a space that you really care about. Or it's at bad margin, but you specifically knew you were doing that to take market share because you're going to have pricing power, right? There's all of these things like what does good look like really matters to what's important to the business. Is it to get a much better understanding of how everything plays together? Is it that the... um it's to go after you know new markets. Is it to um, really improve certain lines of business, or it's that like regulatory to really reduce risk and compliance? To you know a lot in the financial services space, they're like, we can take much, 
what would have been considered a much bigger risk because we can understand the risk so much more and we can comply so much better because we know how to combine our data and do things the right way. And so we we don't have these people that are just trying to do things and maybe plowing through stuff and doing things the wrong way. But no, we've got a framework for being able to go, we want to try this thing. Can we get there? And there's just so many doors unlocked from that. But, you know, some of it is we want our, I guess one metric that a lot of people look at is um, what percent of our uh, decisions are being made with respect to data. The data doesn't make the decision, but the data informs the decision, right? And I think that's really, it's obnoxious. It's not a data-driven, it's data-informed. And that's that's like, you know, it's like this, this thing of how... Uh, certain people react to certain thing of like, or it's not the data makes the decision is, is like a big, big um, uh, thing that you can get a lot of the um, kind of older, typically the people who have been doing this for a long time and they go, my gut is better than the data. And it's like, well, but what if the data informed your gut, right? Like, hey, I want to make this small little experiment. I want to do this thing. I want to, it's not making these huge strategic decisions for you. It can help inform those, but it's also helping you move much more. So it's like, it's almost like how many more decisions can you make about a thing to narrow in on what's great instead of being like, I have to make these five bets now. It'd be like, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you're you're a footy fan. So um, imagine if you got to bet on the final score in the 75th minute, right? Like, yeah. yeah. Imagine you got to do that versus at the at the start, or imagine you got to bet on uh, if you had to bet on the game. You know, I don't, I don't know if you're at, uh, a city or a United, or if you got somebody else that that's your your. We won't talk about that, Scott. <laughs> so red, obviously. <laughs> okay, I, I used to be a United fan, but <laughs> when David Moyes took over, I just was like, "This, I can't watch this anymore. It's so boring." Um, but. Uh, that if you had to bet on the the United Arsenal game that's going to happen in like December or whatever today versus you got to bet, you know, the day before, that's what we've had to do. We've had to make these huge bets six months in advance. You know, like, why don't we have like much smaller bets and why can't we make them along that path? That's what good looks like is that you're no longer having to to make so many guesses and you're not having to make such a big of guesses. You know, like people have talked about going from an idea to actually getting an experiment in, like actually out into the real world in three hours instead of three weeks and understanding the information flow about that in three hours instead of another three weeks. So you know whether this is working to a certain degree, you know, statistics as to law of large numbers and all that stuff, but you know so much more in six hours and six weeks, how much better could you be if that was the case everywhere? So that's what like good is starting to look like. But again, what is the company trying to achieve, right? Is the company just trying to make it so that people understand and leverage data far more often? Are they trying to go after way new markets? Are they trying to be super creative? It just, it, it all depends, which yeah. is a frustrating answer for so many people. No, I mean, I mean, it's, it fascinates me because obviously, you know, you get into the conversation around value and how do you quantify value and what does value look like and what does it mean? And obviously that's all 
all contextual and subjective to an organization, right? But I think exactly what you said there, it's people get people get annoyed, frustrated, ate up about, you know, well, I, I can't influence that because data, you know, we are not the action takers. And it's like, no, but you're informing the action takers. So the value isn't the data itself. It's the action that's being taken. It's the decision that's being made. And the value is almost the difference between the decision that would have been made and the decision that then gets made. Because I don't know, to your analogy, if you're thinking about new products or markets, it's like, well, okay, we're going to go to LATAM or we're going to go to Southeast Asia, right? And we've got to choose one. And so if the decision drives, the data drives a decision and that decision turns out better, well, the value is what's the difference between what it would have been if we went to LATAM, right? And I find myself having these conversations and I think it's a really fascinating space because people just, you know, a lot of data people just point blank refuse that, you know, well, at the, we can't add value because we're not the people doing it. I'm like, no, no. anyway, that's my, that's my little rant. So um, <laughs> it's, the, well, it's the communication. It's extracting from them what would add business value. Like uh, I had somebody on and we were talking about impact measurement and exactly that value of what's the value of not going into a bad market. Right. So you just said, like, what if you said we're going into Southeast Asia or LATAM and we're going to spend a billion dollars and this is going to be our big focus for, for the next five years. And you find out that when you're really investigating, both are terrible markets, right? <laughs> like, yeah. okay, then we shouldn't do any, or, oh, this one, they need a completely different offering. Like, I, you know, I, I moved to the, to the Netherlands and they're, every system here is so strange. Their banking system is so strange. Like you, it's only Dutch banks with Dutch banks. They don't talk like with almost any other bank and they have this very like specific system. And like, you know, people uh, talk about the Dutch being a little stingy in certain ways, yet all of their financial services are a paid monthly fee versus, you know, I'm used to the US where you don't pay anything for anything. And, you know, I'm having to pay like 15 bucks a month for a bank account just to be able to to do certain things and it's like i guess they're not selling my data so good but <laughs> yeah you know it's it's uh it's just such a different type of thing but exactly what you're talking about of if you're not going and and understanding what would add value via the data you're doing data work for the sake of data work right and and you're you're doing what they tell you to do instead of what's going to add value and that's where you have to have that conversation. And if that person's not ready to have that conversation, if you have the political capital, I get some people don't, but if that person's not going to spend enough time with you to tell you what's actually going to be a value and why and, and what matters, then don't do the work for them. If they're not going to, like, it's just like when you're in human relationships, if somebody's not going to value you, if somebody's going to to not spend enough time with you to to make you feel like a valuable human being, why spend time with them? Why build that relationship? And so, you know, again, if you've got the political cap capital to ignore that, but that's also why we get these like requirements dumps. And then people are like, oh, I get to not have to talk to them about business stuff. I get to go play with the fun data stuff instead of like really figuring out, well, hey, this thing that you were you were thinking, we're, we don't have everything done yet, but we're getting early indications that you were thinking that it was going to be A and it's it's X or it's Y or it's Z. Like it's not, it's not A and B. It's way far apart. So should we continue doing this? Like, or should we pivot or like that, that 
continuous conversation just doesn't happen. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, the the whole prominence of the the whole communication and storytelling and, you know, um, presentation skills and relationship building and all that has just been, it's become so it's become so obvious that's that that's the thing that actually moves the needle because as to your example there you know a lot of people historically and possibly still now would go and just deliver that piece of work it would get delivered they'd look at it yeah that's not what i wanted wouldn't get used and then they'd end up frustrated the business stakeholder would get frustrated because you've delivered something that they you know didn't want or they were expecting something different and that cycle just continued to perpetuate non-stop right um and then you know you have people saying well i want to go and work in an organization that is truly data-driven where they actually use the work where i can actually have an impact and it's like well yeah okay talk to somebody then you know that's that's a starting point um anyway um so look conscious of, of time and i know there's still a few things that i'm keen to to discuss but i guess to kind of i know that we want to jump into the gen ai piece and how that's going to impact the landscape around data mesh so keen to do that but i guess before we do that just to kind of uh, dot the i's and cross the t's if there's people out there that are thinking okay data mesh sounds great we we want to have a you know learn a little, little bit more experiment about this you mentioned something earlier around about you know understanding where you're at on that journey and what you've got and you know i guess the readiness of your organization to kind of take this on what what do you normally advise or what are the key things that you look at to kind of determine right now you know you might be in a place now where this makes sense versus whoa 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 you know go away and do all this stuff first type of thing well it's also before we get to that real quick there was something that um tristan handy said recently and kind of an offline thing of where people are like Am I doing data mesh? Can I say I'm doing data mesh? And I'm like, I I, I never gatekeep on that. So, um, but if you are having significant delays in doing your data, right? Like some people, one person told me if it takes more than a week to go from a question to somebody getting an answer or a report, you should do data mesh. No, you're 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 quick enough that you don't need to do that. Maybe it might unlock some value. Yes, maybe you should look into it. But a lot of these organizations are six, nine months between request and delivery. And this is where we get those kitchen sink requests where somebody throw, you know, oh, data work doesn't deliver on the expected value. It kind of does. It's just that we had to pretend that the expected value was much greater because we didn't know which of these 20 things that we're requesting would be of value. So we had to request all 20 because it's going to take nine months. And, you know, it's not that, okay, we're at month, you know, eight. And I know, okay, these are the 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 five things that matter. And here, here are the 15 that don't. I, do, I don't know until I'm there. And then if I do another rev, it's at best another three months, probably another six to nine months, but getting it back on the central team's backlog. So if your central data team is is just stuck and frustrated, or there, so there, there's that that aspect of like measuring how long it takes to go from like, and how how flexible are you, how agile are you around that stuff, or if you're super super decentralized, and none of the data, everybody's the data is super super siloed, right? And again, this is for companies that are at scale, right? I've seen companies doing it down to like 250 people level. It's probably a little low, but like, you know, thousand plus people companies originally, Jamak thought it would be only 10,000 people plus. And then we've seen it really work well in a thousand people plus, but like 
is your is your data work actually capable of doing this if your team could actually leverage the data whether they are or not is is not really a data mesh conversation but are you able to produce the information that people need to be flexible and agile in a reasonable amount of time for them to make these better decisions if the answer is no then that's when you start to consider it and there are a lot of organizations that just are not collaborative enough, are not going to play well together enough for this to work, or that are, you know, so, so hierarchical that it's going to be super, super tough because you're not going to have anybody that's going to be able to have these conversations. So, but like I said, there's a thousand people. I've interviewed so many people for the podcast. There's probably one that looks like your organization. So you just have to start to collect those and find those. You know, I had one guest who said, oh yeah, um, you know, I should probably pay you a, a fee because literally I've had like 20 of your guests come in and talk to our company. So you did all the work for me of, of finding all these people. And that's that's where I think if you're trying to figure it out, Go and just talk to a bunch of the companies doing this. The people really want to talk. You know, don't say, can I pick your brain? It's like, here's why I want to talk to you. Here's why I think you're important. Like make them feel valued and make them feel seen and heard and tell them like why you want to chat. And that's going to get you so much further. You know, everybody wants to go to the consultancies and stuff like that, but that's going to get you so much further and so much more information than mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Solid advice. Cool. So Gen AI then, obviously, um, there's probably as much hype around that as anything we've ever seen, including data mesh and big data and anything else that's come before it, right? Um, but it almost seems to have drowned out the data mesh discussion a little bit. Does does the Gen AI piece have any bearing relationship, whatever we want to call it, on the data mesh conversation? And I would say, thank goodness it kind of has, because the data <laughs> mesh conversation was still people trying to start fights instead of talk about how this can actually work or or will this work and stuff. It was just people still trying to 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 sling some mud. But so what what people think with Gen AI and data mesh is okay, we've got all these data products. I'm just going to stick Gen AI on top of all these data products. I've got these high quality sources and it's going to be able to answer all of my questions. And when I talk to people right now, it's like Oh no, that's so bad. And it's so bad for so many reasons. It's so bad for compliance reasons, you know, like regulatory. It's so bad because Gen AI hallucinates. I don't know if you saw that thing where um, somebody did a, a, a thing about, you know, who, who is this person? And it was them themselves. And they, they listed out five papers and three of them were papers that didn't exist that they had written. Or, you know, somebody did another one for research studies and it listed out 10 things in the bibliography, five of which did not exist. And so like, that's where we're not seeing it good. But if you want to do Gen AI, you really, really have to have very, if you want to do it well, you have to have really, really clean data. You have to have well structured and documented data. What I'm finding people do with Gen AI, with data mesh is, is kind of two different things, maybe three, but the first one is facing it towards the data producers. And it's like, hey, it's it's almost like Clippy, right? You're trying to create a data product. Like, is this what you want to do? And it's like, hey, Clippy, can you help me write my documentation? Hey, Clippy, can you help me find what structure should I use for my data? And, you know, I, I haven't seen a good data modeling um, Gen AI yet, but that's going to be something that's going to be so, so valuable to people if we can get there. Now, are people going to try and hit the easy buttons and, you know, 
screw over all their consumers? Yes. But yeah, again, that's a cultural issue. That's something where you go, hey, spend some time. Don't just use, don't copy paste from Stack Overflow. Don't do that. But we're, we're seeing that happen of, of easy buttons, fast functioning. It's very, very early days. Um, but if people can go, hey, here's what I'm trying to accomplish. Is there anything that 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 will help me do that? You're just reducing friction. And if the people know what they're doing and can evaluate, is this a good idea or not? Great. Where you get in, in issues with self-serve, where you get in, in issues with all this thing is if somebody doesn't have the capability or the desire to evaluate, is this correct or is this not? The other thing that I'm starting to see is, you know, very early days, people just kind of talking about this is pointing it at a specific like data product and go, tell me some interesting things about this. Or somebody was talking about like loan documentation. What if you were able to upload your loan documents and it said, here are the seven non-standard terms, right? Here are seven things that you should look out for, or your rate is is higher than, than it probably should be. You put in your, your um, thing. Here is the, the thing in this document that is weird. What, what if we did contract reviews through that? And what often it does is you don't have it review the contract and go, is this good or is this bad? But you go like, tell me some red flags in this. And it'll jump you straight to it. It'll link. It'll say, I think this is, is non-standard because blah. And then would you like to link into this? Would you like to do that? Or that kind of tell me something interesting that I might not know about this. And it, if it can explore that, that's great. One that people are starting to talk about is pointing Gen AI at all of your data products and just going, can you find interesting interconnections? Can you find those things where you could interconnect these, whether they're already capable or not? That's another thing. But the can you just go answer my question is where everybody's trying to go. They want just like the shiny answer of just answer my question. And it's like it comes back with bad information because we aren't good enough yet at structuring the data or at training the LLMs right? The, these large language models, training that gen AI stuff to actually be able to do that. I think we're years away from that. So it is a shiny, it can add value, but it's not this magic wand that makes it so that all of a sudden you can answer any question that your exec wants. It's, it's something that is really, really, um, it's really dangerous if you use it wrong, because it's really dangerous to just go off and make really stupid decisions because you got completely wrong information. But if it's used carefully and well, right now it's already proving value. So how does that fit with data mesh? I mean, you need good quality data. You need to know what quality of your data is and like all that. Data mesh requires you to kind of document that that quality level and, and have an understanding of how could this be used? How shouldn't this be used? So... You know, there's something there, but again, people are now trying to be like, I'm just going to wave my magic wand and all of my data questions will be solved. You know, it'll just generate a, a dashboard for somebody and I don't have to to check anything. And it's like, you're, you're gonna have things that go wrong because they're not, they're, they're very fallible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it fascinates me, uh, frustrates me, and probably a whole lot else in equal measure, Scott, to be honest with you, around this just happens, right? 
over and over and over again. Like if I think about, where are we now? 23. If I think about seven years ago, right, I'd, I'd walk into a boardroom of a big multinational who were talking to me at the time around building a data science team. And I'd, you know, try and I'd be trying to understand the landscape. Like what's the setup? What's the formation? What, what are the use cases? What are you trying to do? And invariably, I knew for well that they did not need a data science team at that point in time, right? And I'd tell them that. And, and often that was met with, you know, some disdain because, you know, it was like I'd uh, spoiled Christmas or, or, or something. But, um, and often they went ahead and did it anyway because you know it was there was this whole FOMO thing going on it was almost seen you were you were cutting edge if you had a team of data scientists and you know then you had businesses that had no idea where their data was what condition it was you know and then all of a sudden there's 15 data scientists turn up and they're looking at each other saying what what the hell do we do with this right um and you know this just seems to happen over and over again and, and I kind of just see the whole gen AI thing is and obviously I think the the power of it and it's probably you know, the power's greater. It's definitely more exciting because of just the whole landscape and the hype surrounding it. But it just feels exactly the same, right? You know, we're still talking about data quality issues, just as we were seven years ago with data science. It's just a, you know, it's just a, it's like data science, but on on steroids. Right. And it's like, well, until we we're still having the same conversation around, well, if you've got bad data, you're going to get bad outcomes. So like, why are we still having this conversation? So I guess to finish, because I'm conscious of time, but we're constantly chasing this new shiny. Right. So how, first of all, in your opinion, how can we prevent ourselves doing that as the data analytics industry more generally? And then I guess the flip side of that question probably is something around how do you how do you leverage the enthusiasm that business leaders evidently have for this stuff right because something new comes up and they're just you know they're, they're chasing it around the garden like a you know like a, a cat chasing a dog right uh, a dog chasing a dog chasing a cat sorry so there's there's obviously some interest there's appetite there's excitement we if we can find a way to point that in the right direction we might be onto a winner but i guess it just feels like that invariably happens i i think the it not chasing a shiny is just constantly being like, okay, has anybody seen value from this? If not, that's okay. You know, like the the pioneers in in the the um in the data mesh space, they were like, hey, we understand the risks. We understand what we're taking on. We're trying to do this. We're trying to move forward. Um we we think that we can do this, but we understand that we're going to get cut, right? Like if it's bleeding edge, you're going to get cut. Be prepared to get cut. So that's where you say, am I going to chase the shiny? Am I prepared to bleed for this? Do I believe in this enough versus this seems cool? And really, really say, is do I think that this is going to drive business value? And how is it going to drive business value? On the other, on the flip side of leveraging this, yeah, I, I was just talking with um, Teresa Tung at Accenture about this. Um, and there is this enthusiasm. So if you can get budget and it's going to drive actual business results, figure out how to tie that into the conversation, right? Like if you're like, well, so, you know, yes, you want to use this Gen AI stuff, but to really get there, you know, you here's the, the thing, you've seen these like, these crazy things that it'll say. So we need to really get to high quality data, right? We really need to focus on this. So we need to have like this, this big push on this data quality initiative. And we need to understand 
what's good enough for these different aspects of it and not over invest, but that we're going to, we're going to leverage this. It's leveraging the, yes, you want to do this, but you know, Hey, yes, you want to do data science, but we have to have like data that's prepped for them to do science on, right? You don't, you don't hire a bunch of scientists and you just put them in a lab and they're like, well, I don't have any equipment or any like, you know, I'm, I guess I'm thinking of chemistry or whatever. I don't have any chemicals. So I'm supposed to do science in here, but I have to go and find chemicals. <laughs> like, what What do you mean? This is ludicrous. And so like focusing on what's going, what you think is going to drive value and how it's going to do that and really backing up and, and thinking that, that, that strategy work, how does my data strategy tie to my business strategy? How does my data work tie to my business work? And focus on that that business strategy and go, you're trying to accomplish this. Let's let we think Gen AI can help with that. Let's talk about how that would work on the data side. And then let's start doing some data work and let's set some realistic expectations. But you know, you can get you can get budget from that. And that's that's great. You know, you don't want to try and get budget just for the sake of budget because then you create a big hole in the ground and maybe you do want to do that and just leave, you know, <laughs> but I, there's just so much that you can leverage off of this, but it's chasing that shiny. The number of times I pe- told people they shouldn't be doing data mesh yet. And then they would still like go and try something and then hurt themselves. It's like, again, bleeding edge is called bleeding for a reason. LLMs, Gen AI, still bleeding edge be prepared to understand like your risks and, and contain your blast radiuses or radii. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No. Well, I mean, look, if there's, um, if there's one thing at the moment that will, will get you budget and investment, it will be, you know, gen AI, right. That'll, that'll definitely get you into the room if you, uh, if you couldn't do before for sure. But, uh, Scott conscious of time, as I've said three times now, we could chat probably for about four hours quite easily with the world's longest podcast episode, but, um, yeah, look, been a pleasure having you, uh, on the show. Thank you so much for all you do, um, in the community as well. And I hope the, uh, the new business goes extremely well. All right. Thanks so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Driven by Data, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back next week speaking with another thought leader from the world of data and analytics. Until then, please follow Orbition Group on social media if you've not already done so, where you'll be able to subscribe and therefore be made aware of the podcasts as they arrive. And please share, like, and leave reviews so that more people from our industry get to hear and benefit from these two. If you've got any questions or you want to suggest ideas for topics or potential guests, then please feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for listening and I'll be back next week.